room, I found the source of the smell. Doggy doo-doo. My first reaction was to groan. Uh, I'm glad she did that, you know. Caitlin, our daughter, had her wisdom teeth pulled out, and on that particular day, I was her nurse. The pain medicine that she was taking upset her stomach. Well, she tried to make it to the bathroom, but en route, she lost her cookies. My first, act, first reaction again was to groan. Oh, I hate this stuff. I hate it. But uh, anyhow, putting aside what I, how I felt, and I went ahead and cleaned up this mess. But groaning, nevertheless. Well, groaning, we're going to talk about that this morning. Groaning is defined as moaning, lamenting, wishing for a better fate or a better place. You see, you groan when trapped in an undesirable circumstance. I invite you to keep that definition in mind. Trapped in an undesirable circumstance. Keep that in mind. As we read this morning's Bible passage, we're in Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 27. So I invite you to take a copy of God's Word and follow along as we work through this passage this morning. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into a glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Here ends the reading of this morning's Bible passage. Well, this morning's theme is groaning, and uh, we'll be looking at three groaning incidents here in chapter 8. In verses 19 through 22, we have creation groaning. In verses 23 through 25, we will talk about believers groaning. And then lastly, in verses 26 through 27, we have the Spirit of God groaning. 
Let's talk about these groanings together this morning. First of all, if you'll look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 20, we have these words. Follow along as I read. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So creation is groaning. This is what we're learning. And the reason that creation groans is because creation is in a state of frustration. Now notice this frustration that creation is experiencing. This frustration came by a decree from God. This frustration originated in the Garden of Eden. So let's take a look at the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. And here we have God talking to Adam. And this is when he blew it. So here's what he says. He says to Adam, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Because of sin, creation is frustrated. Because Adam and Eve committed sin, not only were they affected by sin, creation as well was affected by sin. Well, the disciples one day asked Jesus about the end time events. Uh, Of course, we don't know exactly when Jesus will return. But he did speak of certain signs. Jesus shared certain signs that would happen that pointed to the coming end. So in Luke, Jesus shared these words with the disciples. Remember, the disciples are asking, hey, Jesus, when will the end time come? Well, here's the signs that Jesus shared. He says, There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Now my intent this morning as I share that particular passage from Luke with you, uh, my intent is not so much to focus on eschatological events, you know, end time events. But rather what I wanted to do in quoting this passage is illustrate for you for you, creation's frustration. Because of the curse, remember, Adam and Eve, they blew it. Not only did they face consequences for their sin, but creation as well was affected by sin. And because of that curse, Luke tells us that there will be earthquakes, there will be famines, and fearful events. Fearful events. Now, speaking of fearful events, the world faces one at this moment, doesn't doesn't it? It's called the coronavirus, a fearful event. I also heard this week that hundreds of millions of locusts have swarmed Kenya in the worst infestation to hit East African nation in 70 years, devouring vital farmland in a region already suffering from extreme hunger. That's what's going on 
right now. Creation is in frustration. Okay? Creation is also in bondage, we're told, in verse 21. Take a look at verse 20. In addition to this frustration, 21 indicates that creation is in bondage. Creation is stuck in a cycle of decay. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being in bondage. There is a cycle of decay. And that's regarding our creation, regarding the world. We're in a a bondage, a cycle of decay. Now, uh, scientists have called this bondage or this cycle of decay, they call it climate change. Okay, are you with me? Biblically speaking, what this earth is experiencing are the consequences of sin. Consequences of sin. Well, at this time, I think we can see here a good, uh, a biblical worldview. How should I say this? We have the world's view of the of creation. You know, creation is deteriorating because of sin, and so the world is saying, "Oh, our, our climate is changing. Uh, we we got to do something about it." In fact, elect me as your senator or elect me as your president because we will reverse this decay or this this climate change that's going on. But that's world view. But biblical, okay, biblical worldview from what we see here in Romans chapter 8 is telling us because of sin that entered into the world, because of sin, one of the results and consequences were frustration, creation itself is frustrated, and it groans, okay? Remember, groaning is you're trapped in an undesirable circumstance, so creation groans, and that's because of sin, and it's in bondage. And this bondage, remember, was decreed by God. Remember that? Remember that? So that is the biblical worldview. And what we're going to see is we're going to see mankind trying very, very hard to uh, rectify or make things right in this world. But God has already decreed there's going to be deterioration. It's going to happen. The world is groaning, okay? However, there's good news. One day, creation will be glorified. One day, creation will be delivered from its frustration and bondage. However, it will not be man's doing, but God's doing. Okay, that's important to remember. One day, things will be made right with creation in this world. But it's not going to be man's doing. It's going to be God's doing. Listen to Revelation chapter 21. Here we're talking about that new heaven and new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away 
every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So, creation, we're learning this morning from Romans chapter 8, is groaning. Creation is frustrated. Creation is in bondage, all because of sin. And so, we, as Christians, with a biblical worldview, will understand that probably things are not going to get better. Because God is bringing about something bigger and better than a healthy earth that we desire. He's bringing about his eternal plan. So, anyhow, that is creation. Creation is groaning. Remember, groaning is trapped in an undesirable circumstance. Well, let's move on here to point two. We also have believers groaning, and you'll see that in verses 23 through 25. Okay, so believers are also trapped in an undesirable circumstance. So let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, believers groan. Because they are stuck in a body. That's what we learn here. Look at verse 23 of chapter 8. Not only so, but we ourselves, that is the believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay? So from Romans chapter 8, verse 23, the reason that we as believers groan is because of this body that we are in. Okay, we're encased in this body. And our fleshly bodies cause us all kinds of trouble. But remember, I want to share with you, we've talked about some spiritual truths earlier in, in Romans uh, chapter 6 and so forth. Remember, uh, we are to consider ourselves believe this truth, that we are dead to sin. Okay, we've been talking about that. Now, when we speak of being dead to sin, we're talking about being dead to sin, meaning the power and the authority of our sinful nature is no longer our boss, okay? That authority of our sinful nature has been broken because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So, therefore, we are dead to the power of of our sinful nature. We don't have to listen to the dictates of our sinful nature. We, we can choose to do the right thing. And again, that is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But even though we are dead to sin, sin no longer has power in our life, is no longer our CEO dictating what we're to do. Sinful nature doesn't have that power to do it. Even though that is true, uh, we as spiritual beings, remember we've been reborn again we are new creations because of christ living within us that is the truth but even though we are new creations we've been born again uh that new spirit that new uh, spiritual identity we have guess guess where it's been placed in a body okay this body here and because we're stuck in this body uh the residue of our fleshly nature continues to wage war and therefore we're always in this battle this struggle all because of this fleshly body that we are encapsulated in, okay? But one day that's going to be gone. But since we are in this body, uh, this, this new creation that we are because of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit living in us, we are new creations, but we're in this body, and because we're in this body, we groan, okay? We groan. 
as Paul said in chapter 7, remember? Paul says, you know, the very thing that I want to do, I do not do. In fact, the evil that I do not want to do, that I end up doing. And then at the end of chapter 7, he groans. Oh, wretched man I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? The positive is, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, anyhow, that's why the believers are groaning, okay? Um, in addition to groaning because of this body, uh, let's see. Here's the good news. The believer's body will one day be changed. Okay, so we're encased in this body, and because of this body, we have that uh, fleshly nature still kind of clinging to us. But that's all going to disappear one day. And so here's the good news, Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, and here we go, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Okay? So right now, we're kind of encased, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. We're a suitcase with nice, clean laundry on the inside. But the outsides of the suitcase has all been banged up for all the travels and stuff that we've been engaged in, okay? But we have good, clean laundry on the inside, and we're trying to fight that, and therefore we're groaning because we're in this battle. But one day, it's going to be taken care of, and we're going to have a body that says like, okay, that's important to remember, we're going to have a body like, Jesus Christ. And we're not completely told what that looks like, but we do know Christ, when he uh, was resurrected, he met with his disciples and he passed through a wall. Pretty awesome. So if that's something like what we're going to be like, I can get into that, okay? I can get in there. And you can too. So anyhow, so we have the, uh, the creation is groaning. Remember, we're they're stuck in a, a predicament, a situation that they don't like. So creation is groaning because of that predicament. We as believers, we are groaning because of the predicament we're in. And, of course, that's with our fleshly nature. But then as we move on here in chapter 8, it says the spirit groans as well. So let's talk about that. It's in verses 26 and 27. The spirit groans. Now, what I need to say right off the bat here is, although the spirit groans, it is a different type of groaning. Okay? Now, with creation and with us believers, we groan because we are wishing for a better fate. We, we're desiring a change. But when the Spirit groans, the Spirit is groaning in a positive way. And what is that? Well, before we address this groaning, let's look at a wonderful ministry, first of all, of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit performs on our behalf. So here we are in chapter 8, looking at verse 26. And here's the wonderful ministry that the Holy Spirit performs in each of our lives. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay, Verse 26. So as long as we continue in this fleshly body, and remember it's going to change one day, but now we're kind of encased in this fleshly body, uh, therefore we, we wrestle, we struggle. But... When we face those weaknesses, here's what we need to understand. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. That's what verse 26 says. In our weakness, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to help us in our weakness. So if you're struggling with 
uh, anxiousness, the Holy Spirit is there and wants to help you. If, if you're struggling with a certain temptation, whether it be lust, well, we need to understand, as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there, and he wants us to empower us to say no, okay? Um, if you're struggling in a relationship, well, the Holy Spirit is available for counseling. The Holy Spirit wants to help us in our weakness. So that is a wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your weakness. Remember that truth. Now, that, well, now we press on to letter B, if it's in your outline. Uh, here we have the Spirit intercedes on our behalf as a believer. And here's where we're talking about the Spirit's groaning. That's in the latter part of verse 26. The Holy Spirit groans for you. Uh, verse 26, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Okay, now look at that verse with me. Okay, who is it that's groaning? I mean, we do groan. We just talked about that. But in this particular instance, it is what? The Holy Spirit is groaning. So what we have here is the Holy Spirit and his groans is, is speaking words that, you know, we, we can't express. I mean, we're in a situation. We're in a pickle, okay? We're in difficulty. We're going through a crisis, and we just don't know what to say to God, right? And the Holy Spirit in that time of weakness, steps in, and with some kind of a groan, some kind of spiritual language, I'm guessing, he communicates to our Savior, hey, this is what's going on in their life, and this is what they need from their Savior. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. Is doing for us. Okay? And that is pretty awesome. And like I said, I'm guessing it's some kind of heavenly, heavenly language that Jesus understands between the Holy Spirit. And it's a language, this groaning of the Holy Spirit, it is a language that compels Jesus to respond to us. And again, I'm not sure what that's like. Maybe it's, maybe it's like uh, Chewbacca and Han Solo. You know? you know, I never did understand Chewbacca when he talked or spoke. You know, I didn't get it. But Han Solo did, okay? All right, I don't know. Maybe that's the way it is. But the Holy Spirit, here's the good truth. The Holy Spirit is communicating with our Savior, the Heavenly Father, and He's relaying the message that we cannot speak. Okay? In our weakness, the Holy Spirit groans. And again, remember, the Holy Spirit's groaning is positive in nature. Here's what your son, here's what your daughter needs, Lord, and He communicates it. So let's talk about takeaways from this morning's message. What can we uh, walk away from this morning, carry with us in our heart? Here's number one. Because of your earthly of your earthly body, you groan, okay? You groan. But one day, you will be like Jesus. God has a design. He has a design, you know? I mean, just, just physically, as we get older, we just, we just can't do it. I mean, I can't, I can't sprint two miles anymore, right? I never could, but... Okay, but anyhow, I mean, because of old age, I, I can't even sprint 10 feet. I mean, it's just, it's rough. That's old age. And what does that do? It compels us to look forward to the hope that is guaranteed. And what is that? We're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
with a body like his. Pretty good stuff, huh? You bet. So that's what we take away this morning. Our earthly body, we groan, ah, but one day we'll be, like, we'll be like Jesus, and then it's like high fives all the way around, okay? You bet. So that's number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit is there for you. Okay, as you leave today, the Holy Spirit is there for you. In your weakness, the Holy Spirit's talking to your Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit is relaying to Jesus Christ, saying, Hey, this is what your son needs today, Father. This is what your daughter needs this morning, Father. The Holy Spirit is in the gap, communicating on your behalf. Take that with you this morning as you go. Let's pray. Lord, again, thanks for the message, the encouragement that you give us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the promise of one day being in your presence where we will not groan, but rather rejoice. And we thank you for those truths in Jesus' name. Amen.